the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to Ion Real Estate. I am Dottie Herman. I am here with my co-host, um, Stephen. Oh, excuse me. Stephen is our guest. Um, Ace Swan Superp, our financial expert from Citizens Bank. He's a senior VP at Citizens Bank. And Stephen Eper, ever, who is our legal expert, myself, a real estate. And before I take uh, Stephen on, who's our... Um, Canadian expert and knows a lot about the New York market also. And he just writes columns. He's very smart. I just want to finish up on trends because we were talking about trends prior to the break. And uh, these are trends that will impact the real estate market. In my opinion, again, when we talk about trends, you never know if they fizzle out or they continue, but these look like they're going to continue for a bit. And so one, there's an increased demand for more livable space. I mean, due to the pandemic, people want more livable space. And um, so a lot of people are moving into single family homes. And that's why townhouses have become important because they have generally more space. Uh, rental properties that have outdoor space or uh, you know, attached to a unit, uh, those are going sight unseen, okay? And of course, more activities taking place at home. Okay, they need to have space for living and entertainment. So space is becoming a premium. And there's a shift to uh, flexible workplaces. And what I mean by that is given uncertainty around the economic pandemic, uh, large tenants are looking for shorter leases and scalable managed spaces. Demand for fully outsourced customized spaces is here to stay. Uh, build it. Now, this is a big trend that I'm getting calls all over. There are companies coming up all over, and there's a big push for well-being and 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 health and 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 wellness. Okay, wellness. I believe that the wellness industry, which is now valued at 134 billion dollars, okay. And one per five percent of all the new construction worldwide that's going on. So when they're doing construction now, they're also looking at wellness and air quality and circulation. And they're talking about how the lighting is because certain lighting will make you sleep better at night and better, and then it'll keep you water awake in the day where the where the lighting really represents what the lighting really is outside. So when the night comes, the lights 
turn a different color. I mean, it's really about uh, wellness gyms with apps that you could put on your apps. I mean, so wellness is really going to be a big feature. And if you're looking at stock, I mean, I'm looking at companies that really, really specialize in wellness because I think that's going to be a focus, which it really wasn't prior to this. Uh, of course, more focus on outdoor amenities where people have weather and they can put, you know, if they have decent weather, they're going to have outdoor amenities because they can use them all year. Uh, you're going to continue to see a migration to the suburbs across the country. Um, that doesn't mean people won't come back to the city and it doesn't mean people who are new will not come to the city. They will. And don't forget, foreigners cannot come. So we don't have foreigners here and they're not going to come until our, I think we opened up our restaurants last yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but until Broadway's back and the and, and museums are here and people are allowed to fly because they can't even come to the U.S., obviously we're not going to get that foreign, foreigner back. And those people who come to the city is virtually down to nothing. So that's a big part of us getting back. Uh, as far as our real estate community, obviously, if you've got experience and you know what you're doing, you're in demand because people have questions now. Inflation. Everyone says we're going to have inflation. And uh, one of the trends that will impact real estate markets over the next one to three years, because we don't expect it next year or maybe towards the end, will be the Federal Reserve's recent decision to allow the nation's inflation rate to move above the benchmark of 2% for the foreseeable future. And this policy shift will artificially uh, suppress interest rates on the real estate debt, which in turn will stabilize and inflate existing asset prices. So we will have Ace, can you comment a little bit of a rising rate? I don't think it's a freak out, like it's not going to go up to 8%. What do you see as far as interest rates? Yeah, I think we're going to see um, some consistency in regards to the low rates for the next 12 months, Dottie. Um, as, as long as the Federal Reserve continues to purchase mortgage-backed securities, which they've already announced, um, I think the next 12 months will stay relatively low. And I think um, look for 2022 to have um, inclinations of increasing rates, right? So I think we're, we have a short window of time. Um, what are the rates now? Oh, Dottie, do you really want to know? It's uh, it's below 3%. So okay. on a 30-year fixed rate, if you're a first-time buyer and you're purchasing, you know, a, a loan amount of 500K, you know, your, your rate, it's going to be 3.625, I'm sorry, 2.625, 2.75, right? So, I mean, I mean, unheard of with a two in front of it. So it's... um. It's, it's, well, that's not phenomenal. So time. my point is, and when I read, well, my point is, that it's like, how long can the banks lend money at that number? Yeah, that's um pretty much the Federal Reserve is is artificially um, allowing the rates to stay low, right? So, um, like I said before, the minute that they stop purchasing mortgage-backed securities is when rates will 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 continue to rise, and that's going to be literally uh, within a twelve-month timeline, Dottie. So. Right, you know, we right. probably have about a year. A I'm year. hoping this doesn't happen, but I'm afraid it might. But I'm hoping the governor says he's trying not to do it. But you know what? I don't yeah. know. Heavier taxation for principal residences. Oof. Okay. And it says, uh, you know, that they predict that there'll be a heavier taxation for principal residents. Um, but they might get 
off of the uh, the ten thousand dollar deduction. I think Biden is going to agree to allow us to deduct. You know, we can't deduct more than ten thousand dollars now, and I think they're going to repeal. I believe it's not a guarantee at this moment, but if you want my opinion, I believe at some point they'll get rid of that and allow us in the Northeast where we're taxed very highly to deduct more than $10,000. I I agree completely that that's been one of the key things being talked about um, to limit what they call the SALT limitation, state and local tax uh, limitation. Um, Hopefully also with that, um, they will bring back the cutoff for the home mortgage interest deduction. It used to be a million dollars and then what they call any time additional indebtedness of a hundred thousand. So you can get up to one point one and they cut it to seven fifty. Seven fifty. I'd love yep. to see it go back to that that million with the hundred thousand dollar on the side extra. That would be a nice change. That'd be back. great. So. That would be now, huge. Now also obviously you're seeing a grow home ownership is gonna amount to like higher than it's ever been. And that's because of low interest rates, the need for stability, and of course the pandemic where people, you know, and the millennials believe in home ownership and they're a large generation. Now, what about the number of defaults, okay? Like people that, I mean, right now you really are not going to get hurt if you don't pay your mortgage. But uh, I'm just guessing here. But my guess is if you haven't paid your mortgage, let's say Ace, you haven't paid it through the whole pandemic. And now it's May and the where the pandemic starts to calm down and the the you know now you owe like a, a, almost a year's worth of mortgage payments and so the lender now wants their money because they didn't forgive it they just postponed it like then you're going to say well i don't have the money then what do you see a lot of foreclosures or defaults okay well, we- coming up yeah, we've been we've been monitoring the situation, and you know every single bank has been working with um, their clients and customers through the pandemic. We haven't seen a huge default rate. Um, we know that we're going we're probably going to see some, Dottie, but you know nothing that's um, you know no, nothing that's of concern, right? I, I think right now we're well, working through furloughs and things of that nature. But you're right, Dottie. It's something that the banks are are monitoring every single. I don't know how they're going to handle it because I it's, it's going to be. Yeah, I project, I predict, okay, okay, I predict two things, that with the rents that people haven't paid for a year, when the rents are finally due, then uh, the people say, oh, we don't have it now, I'm sorry, what, I don't have any money, I can't pay. Okay, I can't pay the money back, then I can't even pay my rent. And I think some of this is going to happen with housing. Yes, and so I'm yes. curious, in my mind, I anticipate these problems, I hope I'm wrong. But I just, and then I'm like, and they won't know how to handle it. It's going to be overwhelming. And of course, in New York, unlike other states, but in the tri-state generally, like in California, I think I've said this on other shows, they can foreclose on you in two weeks and have you thrown out. But in New York, we're a lean state and it doesn't happen. It can take years and years and years. So that's something I'm looking out for. The other question I, 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 I think about, which now I'm not getting political because whether you were a Trump fan or you weren't a Trump fan, I do think that Biden will more likely give a lot more aid to the states than Trump would have. Okay, now, don't you think, or maybe I'm wrong, that New York's recovery depends on, I mean, Governor Cuomo said it on TV. He's like, the federal, the feds have to help us and bail us out 100%. Now, if the feds do that, which I think Biden, his plan is very aggressive, 
it looks like he's going to bail everybody out. Do you get that feeling? I think there is a massive negotiation going on right now. And, you know, Cuomo made that statement that if we don't get our $15 billion bailout, you know, he's considering um, a lawsuit against the federal government, right. um, which I think has a very small chance of success, to put it kindly. Um, the um, I, I do think, though, you are right that the plan is to give out money. But that was I view that as a negotiation, right? If you're buying a piece of property, if you're a buyer, you don't automatically, unless if there's other competition, offer less price. You're negotiating the price. So right now, we see that Cuomo has announced what he would love to get for the state of New York. I doubt in his mind if he expects to get the full $15 billion. Okay, that could be negotiating, yeah. ask for more than I want, so yeah. when they give me less, it's what I want. But all I'm saying is that when people ask me, how about when's New York going to come back? How long will it take to come back? And will it come back differently, which we can talk about on next week? How do we think it comes back? And will it look different? I do think it depends on, look, New York was in bad financial shape before the pandemic, period. Okay? They were cutting back on garbage, like on the, they were just cutting back everything. So now with the pandemic, which was nobody's fault, but it's really in worse shape. But, to me, you know, to get that, it back quickly, it's gotta, you, it takes money. And I think that Biden, when I was looking at how much money, you know, it's a negotiation, but I still think that for most part, he's just going to spend money and try to fix everything and give on And like, I think maybe you should give up unemployment for two years, but I don't, but I think you should have to check people. I think you can't just let anybody because people that are working shouldn't be getting it. So, but, but do you think that New York will come back fairly so my thing is New York will come back quickly if they get the right amount of money. And maybe it's not as much as he asked for, but I think he'll get a good chunk of it. Although a lot of cities, you know, are, are, are starving, but I mean, that stimulus package looks pretty hefty. But I got that. First, I think New York city, let me focus on New York city for a second, has more of a spending problem than a revenue problem. Why do you when say that? Early in the Bloomberg administration, the mayor right before the current mayor de Blasio, the city budget was around $60 billion. For 2021, the New York City budget is going to be about $96 billion. Okay, it's over a 50% increase, right, from one mayor to the next. That is a massive amount of spending. And, you know, they're talking about, oh, we have a couple of billion dollars worth of a hole. Well, tell me how we go from 60 to 96 in a decade. Well, I mean, I'm not going to be at a, and look, I can say this. We never talk politics, but I don't think anyone yeah. listening thinks that de Blasio was a good, everyone wants him out as quickly as he can get. Like, I think he, he really, you know, we, we had, we had Bloomberg and before that we had Giuliani and they really brought the city to the best place I've ever seen it. Okay. He really destroyed it, but Say now that what I'm that's saying my is, point on the on the garbage collection. When we had a budget that was in the 60s, we had no problem collecting garbage. Now that we have a budget in the mid 90s, we have a problem. So I think what we have, and this is, and I agree with this, is not meant to be a political comment. It's just a reality comment. It's I don't think we have a resource problem. New York City has unbelievable resources. I think we have a mismanagement problem. And it's not, you don't always have to throw money at a problem. You have to manage it appropriately. And I, that's why I'm optimistic 
for New York City because the talent's there, the assets are there, the story is there. Sure, with COVID, so are you we have. Th- Stephen, I don't want to interrupt you, but are you thinking that since the mayor's up, when is he up in the summer or spring or summer? We got less than a year. Next election okay. is his election. We we got so, less than a are year. Are you left. saying that whoever the new mayor is for New York City, because he can't run again, uh, hopefully we'll be able to try to fix, you know do a better job. What I if we have a competent administrator, I don't care what party. If you have a competent manager. The city will be well poised. That's okay, but what about the next year that we still have this guy? Wouldn't it make sense to you? And Ace, I'm curious to think that if the depending on how much is we need to have the money now. I mean, everything I read says, listen, New York needs the money now. So does New Jersey. So do most states. Not in a year from now. So do you think that do you are the odds? Look, none of us know because they're negotiating now. But I'm just saying that I, the odds are that I think Biden is trying to give a lot more relief to the cities than, you know, I think he's going to try to give relief to the cities. And that's the only way that everything comes back is with money. I mean, money does solve some problems. I mean, you know, sure, throwing extra money will solve mismanagement, right? Because if you, if you mismanage 30% of the money and you're given an extra 30%, that covers the mismanagement. So, yes, money can absolutely solve the problem. Um, what I'm concerned about is other parts of the country are going to say, well, wait a minute. And this is, I think, the political fight is why should we have to kick out more money because other folks didn't quite do their job right? Well, that and that's, Trump's I think, point. the fight that's going to happen. Yeah, that was Trump's point. Uh, hey, since you have a, a good knowledge of the restaurant business, I was reading and one of the restaurant owners I know was quoted as saying, hey, listen, you know, if they don't get us money soon, these small restaurants are not going to ever be able to come back. How quickly does that second stimulus package have to come out? Are you feeling that, Ace? Oh, we're, we're definitely feeling that, Dottie. And right now, I believe the second round of PPPs are actually out for folks to apply. But um, it's still still probably not enough for restaurants to survive, right? Um, I believe Cuomo... Uh, it was just announced yesterday, Dottie, which is great news, that they're going to reopen um, they did. in dining on February 14th, 25%. So we're all getting ready. Now, was that, was that, that just when I heard that, Les, I heard that yesterday. But was yeah. he saying he's opening it on Valentine's Day? On Valentine's Day, he's reopening. It's, 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 so, it's so cliche, right? Um, we're opening up on Valentine's Day. So that'll be great um, to celebrate the, uh, the holiday along with in in dining opening up 25%. But but look, 25% is not going to cut it for for restaurants, right? They you know, the margins are so thin and they need to be fully operating, but again, you know, with the pandemic and um look, you know, me being in the restaurant business, I still don't understand how being in an enclosed environment outdoors is any different than being in an enclosed environment indoors, but that's for another show. Um, well, I'm in Florida. <laughs> and I, I'm in Florida. And I, listen, if I didn't make a reservation early enough, because every restaurant's open, everybody's around, yep. they have masks, but many days I ate indoors because there was nothing outdoors. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know. But let me ask you, while I have you on the point, what about eviction? Uh, do you believe that th- that they will have a huge impact in the real estate market over the next couple of years? 
And if you can't evict, and you're a landlord, and you can't evict, and even if you can, how long does it take somebody to get out? How is yeah. that going to impact us? There's I think we have a break, Dottie. We do. You can answer that when we get back. Want more of AM 970 The Answer and our hosts? Then interact with us. Follow us on Twitter for breaking news, what's coming up on the radio, thoughts from our hosts, deals from our advertisers, and more. Our handle is at AM 970 The Answer. Come on, tweet with us. Have you ever had a legal question about elder law or state law? Every Wednesday night during Kevin McCullough's show, you'll hear from Mike Connors himself of Connors & Sullivan, Attorneys at Law, answering real listener questions. Simply email that question to askmikeconnors at gmail.com or call Mike's office at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And don't forget to tune in to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. on AM 970, The Answer, and Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on AM 570 the mission tell me why relief factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain i'm often asked that question pete and seth talbot the father and son founders of relief factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal that's right designed to heal and now i agree the doctors who formulated relief factor for pete and seth selected the four best ingredients 100 percent drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation that's correct each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway that right there approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many americans find such wonderful pain relief if you have back pain shoulder neck hip knee or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older you must order the three-week quick start now discount it to only 1995 to see if it will work for you too i think it could give your body what it needs to heal itself go to relieffactor.com call 800 500 8384 relieffactor.com skilled trade workers are the backbone of every community and also the army national guard soldiers trained to keep the power flowing engines running and in every other trade needed to accomplish the mission these soldiers are on the fast track to learning skills that can set them up for success at home with companies looking to hire the best their resumes are being built through their paid training and part-time service find out how you too can learn a trade profession by visiting nationalguard.com sponsored by the new york army national guard aired by the New York State Broadcasters Association and this station. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. I'm back. We're back. You're listening to I on Real Estate. I'm Dottie Herman. I'm here with my co-host, um, Ace Wild Suparp and, and Stephen Ebert. We're talking about trends in New York. And um, I guess I was joined uh, by Stephen Moranis. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Dottie. How and are you? I, are you there? 
Yeah, Good I'm morning. here. How are um, you? If you don't mind chirping wherever, uh, I know it was supposed to be earlier, but somehow I didn't get the signal that you were on the, on the line. So we're just going to finish up trends. And if you have any thoughts on it, please chirp in. But we're talking about trends that we're seeing in, in New York. And now we're talking about evictions. And so if landlords can't evict, it has the potential to... So, so uh, what's going to happen? Investors can target, uh, you know, what's going to happen if they can't evict or they can't get their money? I, I don't know how that affects the market. Uh, one of the other thoughts that I read is that they foresee an exchange of wealth between ownership and especially in the multifamily section uh, where there'll be a, re there's a, there's a shortage of affordable quality housing and uh, they see a lot of uh, shift towards enabling developers to build more housing in the suburbs. Now, if they build more housing in the suburbs, then they have to push strongly for zoning changes, which they've tried to do in the suburbs. At least I've seen them try to do it on Long Island and say in Connecticut. And usually the, uh, the people that live there resist it, but maybe not because uh, they don't have many. So they might try to do that. Um, what are you thinking? Do you think that that's going to happen? And and I will before we go further. The biggest question that I I think people are asking is what what are buyers actually purchasing? Okay, well we can get an idea by digging into various constituent segments such as price and property type. Uh, what features are buyers exactly looking for? And you know I have numbers. I just to, I'm not going to take long, long on this. But basically, what we saw buyers buying and, and, and prices going really up on, they saw... Um, Dottie, can I just kind of... Offer some form of privacy, okay? Or if you... That, that had some... Apartments that had some form of privacy or outdoor space or had separate or ground floor entrances uh, that was very desirable and they felt that those were way up. Of course, outdoor spaces, the median price for apartments in outdoor spaces was, wow, off the wall that went up. And um, people that had kind of separate space where they could use it for multifunctions uh, really went way up. So, you know, and townhouses, and townhouses which kind of were stolen. So those are kind of some things. Um, let me ask you questions on that. What are you guys seeing? What are you seeing with that foreclosure story? What's going to happen then if nobody pays? Well, Dottie, Steven? It's Steven, can I, yeah, can I just kind of give you a, a just a quick um, overview? Well, wait, uh, Stephen, you can, but I, I don't want to, I don't, Stephen, you can. But I'm, I need to ask the other Stephen this so we can just finish this topic and then we're going to talk about what you've got to talk about. Um, I need to just finish up the trends in New York City, and we talked a long time about it. But what do you see with that? Is that do you think that's a potential issue? Yeah, yeah, Dottie, I, I think there there is a potential issue there because right now there is a uh, there there's a balancing issue, right? You've had tenants that have been able to not pay. You have about a year and a half ago a major change in some of the federal bankruptcy law for small that affects small businesses and, and small is, is is a little bit bigger not just like your corner mom and pop one store it's even bigger than that that really allows tenancies to go through a bankruptcy process 
and really force that on the creditor without inputs. It's sort of a streamlined process. So, uh, and, and then affirming or walking away from leases is a part of that process. And we're, we're just definitely seeing that. Um, I, I think what we need right now is to make sure we get a balance back um, because what will happen is, you know, you, you'll see a lot of uh, tenants try to reconstitute themselves maybe in a different way. And then there's a huge gap of paid rent, um, which will put economic pressure on landlords, particularly not well many landlords. That being said, it also cuts the other way. Right now, for folks who have really money on the sideline, I think there is a great opportunity for them to watch and being able to become equity partners or acquire properties and really get a much better rate on return. Real estate's known as a cyclical area, and we're definitely in a certain part of the cycle. And so that's interesting opportunity for people who know how to um, understand and take advantage of that. Yeah. And hopefully next week, uh, Stephen and East, we can kind of talk about some of the opportunities that we see, whether it be in New York or, or outside of New York, some of the opportunities, because what I'm finding is every person that I've ever that's ever tried to get a hold of me, all these people are coming up with calling me, oh, Dottie, this is a great app I made, or this is a great a wellness program that I have where we're purifying the air. There's a lot of people that are coming up with a lot of things for today. And so what I want everyone to do is kind of take a step back since we have a vaccine and I'm not sure when we'll be at herd immunity, but we will be at some point. Let's try to get out of everything that we've lived with, with the pandemic and try to look at the opportunities that we might have and the challenges for that matter that we might have after the pandemic. And that's kind of what I want to focus our show on going forward since, you know, we can't take back yesterday. It is what it is and whatever we did, we did and the mistakes we made, we made, but let's kind of look at what opportunities and what good things um, and, and some of the challenges we're going to have. And with that, Stephen, I am sorry, Moranis, because there's two Stevens. So let me get Stephen M who, uh, is a leading, uh, well, we know each other, as I said at the beginning of the show, forever. It was a family business that's been around for 100 years, but he's also a great writer and writes for some of the biggest papers, which I told you. And um, how is uh, uh, Canada doing compared to the U.S.? Because I was on an international call with a lot of different countries. Uh, Canada wasn't one of them, however. And they really seem to be doing, like London and, and England, they were like in horrible shape. And Singapore was in bad shape, a lot worse than the U.S. What's going on in Canada? Well, it, interestingly enough, Dottie, and uh, nice, nice to be on again today. Um, we just our recent column. Um, we we basically wrote about um, the situation that housing prices are rising faster in Canada than those in the U.S. Um, it was it was kind of very curious. Wow. They, the housing, the housing market has been completely resilient. Um, 2020 was, was um, a, you know, a year that there were new heights reached with prices. And one of the major banks, the Bank of Montreal, came out with a report this month and basically said that Canada's average housing price was 46% higher at, in December than comparable prices in the U.S., um, and we were more or less, I mean, there is this North American or Canada-U.S. Um, 
economy or community that we, we, we are very close. I think we, you know, we are countries that hopefully are best friends and work together so, um, you know, so positively. I mean, there's so many snowbirds down in Canada, you probably, uh, down in Florida, which you know, and, and um, they love going there. Oh, from gosh. Montreal. Yeah, Montreal and Toronto. And then, you know, generally the snowbirds from Vancouver and Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg go to Arizona and California. So we've got kind of got two, you know, lines of, of, of travel that uh, we're, we're very, very close. And I think all of us have good American friends and families. I mean, my dad was born in Philadelphia. So, you know, we, we all sort of touch upon um, commonalities that are they're interesting. But the real estate market has many micro markets. I think we talk about residential real estate, but then there's detached and condo. All the projections in Canada and the three major cities, Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, are projecting prices going up anywhere from, uh, in in Toronto, overall prices going up 7.5%, Montreal 7%, and Vancouver 10%. But primarily that increase will be in the um, detached market segment, not the condo market. So, there's there's some anomalies that were experienced. For example, and I'm not sure if this is true in major urban cities like New York or Boston, all of a sudden in Toronto, um, the condominium rental listing inventory has more than doubled in Q4 from a year ago. As well, the average rental prices for one-bedroom condos have, has gone down 17% year over year and 15% for a two-bedroom. So obviously the pandemic has spurred some relocation outflow patterns because the virtual workability of employers and companies to be, you know, more forgiving on on working remotely and and it seems to be working. Um, So, you know, you know, the other the other metric we have, the number of condos for sale in Toronto has more than doubled in the last year, Q4. 2020 to Q4 2019. So prices haven't yet completely declined, but when inventory is high and transactions aren't moving, it will only be a matter of time when that inventory gets um, absorbed to ultimately see what the final price um, circumstance will be. So we're all sort of scratching our heads. Well, fortunately, Stephen... Yeah, fortunately, Stephen, in the U.S., we don't have that problem. We don't see prices. We see prices rising about 7 to 10 percent in 2021. We see the demand mm-hmm. continuing, continuing. We don't, you know, it might slow down as far as like a lot of that surge that happened in March happened already. But we see the trend. And, and I think I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to see more sales in 2021 in the U.S. than we've seen since 2005. So, you know, that is very different. Um, it's a very different scenario. And when I was on that call internationally, I, I, I found most people from other countries were saying that their, their recovery is not going to be as good. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal. 
And now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing, but are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? Hi, it's Mike Gallagher, hoping you can join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour through the Land of Israel, October 2021. Join us. Get firsthand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. We'll learn about the geopolitical, economic, and spiritual dynamics of one of the most fascinating countries on Earth. But you'll share experiences that'll change how you read Scripture. Walk the ancient temple steps. Touch the Western Wall. Sail on the Sea of Galilee. Pray on the Mount of Beatitudes. The list goes on and on. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered. Now listen, if you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your chance. Join me October 2021 and right now register worry-free. Peace of mind guaranteed refunds up to May 8th if for any reason you want to cancel. So to come along, call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519, or go to StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and of course, I'm here with my co-hosts, Ace Water Suparp and Stephen Ebert, and my guest, who's been on before, um, who's a great expert in real estate in Canada, Stephen Moranis. And, you know, we're getting to a close of a show. Uh, You know, time really goes quickly when you are doing this show. Like, And we're kind of trying to talk to Stephen. Maybe, um, again, we're going to try to focus on after pandemic because um, I'm sure you have a vaccine. Do you have a vaccine in Canada? Well, yes, we do, thankfully. But unfortunately, um, I think Pfizer and Moderna have sort of shorted our supply. So we're getting no vaccines for a few weeks, which everyone's pretty frustrated about. Wait, so stop. In Canada, you're not able to get vaccines? 
No, not right now. Not wow. right now. And how I mean, there. Well, it's it, it. We have very low numbers. It, it got to be so bad. We were up around ten thousand cases a day. You know, we're we're roughly a population of about one tenth of the U.S. So, you know, that would be about a hundred plus thousand cases a day. It's reduced slightly, but I believe that's because we're all under in Ontario a stay-at-home order until February 11th. And yesterday, the federal government in Canada... Say that again. Wait, out. you're going to stay... Stephen, slow down. Because I had this guy in London who called our show two weeks ago, and he said they've been on lockdown pretty much the whole nine or ten months. How long have you guys been locked down? Um, stay, at, stay at home since really... Uh, it's been 28 days. Uh, back from February 11th, we were... We had like stage one, two, three, and four. We went into stage four um in november and then they went more extreme uh towards uh before christmas so people wouldn't sort of congregate we've been stay at home which will end february 11th but now the government has um all the major airlines air canada westjet air transit um they're not allowed effective tomorrow to fly to any caribbean destinations or mexico or coming back and any, all international travelers have to get a test at the airport. They're only letting international travelers arrive in Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, and Montreal, which are sort of the four major international airports. they got to get a COVID test. And then at their own expense, if you can believe this, have to stay in a hotel for three days till they get the result. And if they're negative, if they're positive, They've got to stay in that hotel at their expense. They're projecting $2,000 for the 14 days. So that sort of just hit us yesterday. Um, but, you know, we're all basically staying at home. The, I mean, real estate is an essential service. So agents have been working, you know, obviously restricted. Um, but the trading has still continued with great results. But overall, all the restaurants are closed, uh, obviously, indoor dining, um, patios, you know, we're minus 10 degrees Celsius today. So, you know, outdoor patios aren't, uh, first of all, they're closed, wow. even if they could be open with heaters. Um, right, but who wants to eat outside? What's that? I said, but who wants to eat outside? Like in New York, it's not as cold, but it's cold. And like, uh, even though they're opening no, no. up, I mean, I think it's kind of tough to eat outside. With uh, well, like a lot these, of them, um, a lot of them sort of. But you know what? Yeah, I them... feel lucky because we haven't been on lockdown as long. I mean, we were on lockdown how long? Ace and Stephen, the other Stephen, what, a couple of months? Maybe. I don't know. We were on lockdown from March, maybe to. Yeah, maybe like three months, Dottie? Yeah, like three months. That's about it. And so, you know, the guy, this guy that showed our, called our show, he's going to call every month now. From London, they've been on lockdown for like almost a year, nine months. And so yeah. your Canada is kind of, how is Canada I, like that? I, I think the concept of some of the lockdowns in Europe, and I think they're comparable to the, the one, the, the, the lockdown that the other Steve was talking about in Canada, truly are if you are not going out for a very particular purpose, food shopping, medical, et cetera, um, you can actually be significantly fined. Um, while we had encouragement 
I'm not aware of having that degree of a lockdown in the U.S. where we're literally it could be a fine or, or uh, some municipal violation for going outside. Um, yeah. So and it's been stronger. You're, absolu um, in that you're, you're absolute. You're absolutely right. The fines are minimum seven hundred and fifty dollars, and they're ticketing people left. There's enforcement officers. They're actually using the parking enforcement officers to give these fines. So. I mean, the only thing all of us can really do is we can go walking. The parks are open. Um, you know, there's some community tennis uh, clubs where they've left the nets out. It's pretty hard to play tennis outdoors in the winter. The outdoor skating rinks are open. They limit the number of uh, skaters to 25 per ice pad. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's got to wear a mask. You've got to book through the city of Toronto. There's a website to get your time. And... Um, but everything's closed. All the gyms, indoor tennis uh, courts, um, can't get a haircut. Uh, you can't get your nails done. Everything's closed. And this this will go to February 11th. Um, my belief is it will be extended just because um, we were supposed to get, I don't know, 4 million doses, which is only 2 million people, right? If Assuming you need two, you know, two vaccinations uh, per, per um, Pfizer, but 2 million people and they're suggesting by the end of March and the supplies have dried up. We're getting nothing um, next week and the week after. And it's really uncertain. Well, then you know what, Stephen? That really makes me say to ourselves, as, as many problems as we're having with this whole vaccine, like it's hard to get an appointment with this, we're still a lot, a lot better off than most of the countries. You guys are well off. The America is a great country, and you know, um, overall, you guys do the right things, and you've got you've got sort of muscle to protect yourself. I mean, Pfizer has a plant in Michigan, which you know, the premier of Ontario, which is like the governor, um, he he even said he'd drive a refrigerated truck to Michigan to bring back doses. But obviously, Pfizer is going to patronize the U.S. And we've got a problem now. The European Union, where gave all this money to Pfizer, I guess in Belgium, where their main plant is, doesn't want the, the vaccines to go to other countries before the European Union is satisfied. So this is sort of the collective uh, challenges that everyone's facing. And Canada, unfortunately, doesn't seem to, you know, have the muscle to put us in a better position. Oh well, my my heart goes out to you. I, I didn't I didn't, you know you know so we're all complaining here, but you know this is going to make us realize that we shouldn't be complaining. We're still in much better shape, and hopefully, um, we should be at some kind of herd immunity. Hopefully, by summer's end, I'm thinking, and uh, you know we haven't really been on lockdown and. I think maybe in America, in the United States, every state kind of governs itself. So every state is different on what they allow and they don't allow. And inside states, some different counties. So it's kind of a, you know, I, it's kind of a crazy time. And I, I don't know, like people have argued that the uh, government should have made one plan for the whole United States and not leave it up to the governors because every state is really different. Like I said, I'm in Florida now and I feel like I'm in another country. Everything is open. Everybody, I mean, people are wearing masks for most part. 
but again, they have a good climate, so they can be outdoors. Uh, but people are eating indoors and people seem less worried about it. Uh, but their rates, by the way, just so you should know this, the rates in Florida are way higher than New York. I think New York has like the third lowest rate in the country. And we were the epicenter for the virus. So we did a whole good job of, of getting it down. So let's hopefully try to stay safe and hopefully you get your vaccines in Canada soon. Um, I'll tell you, Dottie, it's, it's interesting in the U.S. It's even county by county. It's varying. So literally what I've seen and I've talked to other colleagues, you know, we're talking about making sure that first, you know, frontline workers, you know, doctors, nurses and other employees in hospitals. Well, what's happening is in some counties, the acceptance rate of it is so high that it's limited to them. In others, some of these folks are not taking the vaccine. It's not mandatory. So in some counties, I know they're, not, they're offering it up to spouses and even household members. So I'm seeing data that shows that in some cases, the entire family of a doctor will be vaccinated and you go one or two counties over and no one is. So it's really very, very interesting. And I'm curious, as we're trying to build that herd immunity, that's a, that's a factor that we're going to eventually see in, in the statistical data. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, as I said, it was on the news here because there was an outreach of a lot of people coming from a lot of different states to uh, Florida because they were pretty like they were a lot more lenient on the vaccines. And then people in Florida were complaining that they're residents here. So I don't know what the best plan is. I think what I realized is that uh, our country really is a total mess. Okay, I mean, I look at what's going on with the with the parties that they can't get together. Or I look at look at uh, you know something that we've never even thought could happen, but we weren't prepared for it. And ho hopefully, out of all bad things that happen, something good happens. So hopefully, we'll get our act together and we'll hopefully start to do better work. So the future will be like this. This has been a great show and. It's great to talk to everybody. We're going to talk about after the pandemic and see that you'll come back uh, and what we foresee. Please stay safe. We're almost there. So don't screw it up now. Keep your masks on. Stay safe. And support New York businesses or your local businesses. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.